The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Good morning. All right, well, we've been in Psalms chapter 1. We covered the first two verses of the last couple weeks. I want to look at verse 3, and probably we'll just go through verse 6. We'll try to cover the whole psalm today, but, you know, there's so much in it. Um, You know, one of the things that I said uh, last week that when Kobe was talking, I was just reminded of is that, you know, as a whole, our, our world is pushing away from God. Our world is where it is because it's pushing away from God. It's pushing away from His Word. It's pushing away from His principles. They don't want God involved in their life. They, th- they think that God's up there just to make your life miserable. Follow me so I can make your life miserable when the reality is, is God created humanity and He knows what we need and He's got an intended desire for our life. And all He's trying to do is put us on a pathway where we can find those blessings, that blessing of God in our life. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful for that. You know, one of the things that happened to me when I first became a believer is God gave me this insatiable desire for His Word. And I spent hours and hours and hours every single day in His Word, up early, at noon, late at night, just a constancy. And I am so grateful because it has it's helped me so much. It's guided me so much. And I got to thinking that probably over the first 10, 15 years of my life, uh, as I read and tried to understand uh, God and his, uh, his principles, His purpose, His kingdom uh, for me uh, in my life and humanity as a whole, and it seemed to be like a pencil sketch. And just one day, everything began to shift. And God just began to shift me, showing me simple things that I had known, but He just kind of, He put color to them. He, he kind of gave them life. They, they, they were something I understood, but they just, all of a sudden, He just opened them up to me in a different way and enlivened them to me. And so it was like, man, from this pencil sketch to this, color and definition and shading and shadowing and simple truths. And, and I mean, think if you think about it, it's this way in your life in so many ways. And just say relationships, husband-wife relationship, you're in it, but as you're in it longer, you get to know each other better and there's, there's more to it. You see more to it. And so, you know, as we continue to push forward and, and pursue God and what He wants for our life, we get to see it clearer. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, Psalms 1 is a simple truth. Uh, It's a psalm that you probably learned in Sunday school. You might have known it before you were ever a believer. Like John 3, 16 and Romans 10, 9, and 10 and those, those verses. But sometimes I think it's so simple things that we go, okay, got that. And we kind of stuff it in our pocket. I think that when we pull it back out and we spend some time with it and we look at it, we can see what we haven't. My prayer over the last three years that the prayer that I've prayed the most over the last three years is this. Lord, help me see what I don't, what I can't, what I need. 
So when I'm spending time in God's Word, I'm just saying, Lord, I, I just really need you to help me see it. I need you to show it to me so I can understand. I, I, I don't, I need to be guided. And, you know, in, in these simple truths, God has been helping me see stuff that I've just really never seen before. So I told you last week uh, to take this week and just spend some time kind of walking through Psalms 1, just pondering on it and thinking about it. And we're going to jump into that. We're going to look at verse 3 this morning and then 4 through 6. But So last, last week, uh, Psalms chapter 2, verse 1, the week before, Psalms 1, 1, and basically this psalm is talking about, that blessed, about a blessed man. And the blessed man who is the one who is receiving these blessings of God on his life. Yes. Job is a blessed man. Good girl. He is. Thank you. Who else was a blessed man? David. Go ahead. Somebody else. Jesus was blessed. That's for sure. It's good stuff. So Psalms 1 says the blessed man. And I, and I make comment that the blessed man doesn't do certain things, but does something else. So, and, and, and let me say it, I, I know this is obvious, but can, can I just splash it up there? David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said. See, we need to understand that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. God breathed. It was God's nudge in men's lives to pen and to, to write. So it says, David said that the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. We talked about that two weeks ago. But the blessed man does one thing. The blessed man delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. In other words, that one, he is just thinking about, he's talking about, he's having in front of him, he's getting to know what God has to say from his word. And for, uh, for David, it was a Pentateuch, first five books. For us, it's the whole of Scripture. We, got, we have so much more. I am grateful for that. So we pursue God through our learning, our understanding, our doing what his words reveal to us. Now, David said about this blessed man, so he doesn't do this. He doesn't walk toward the way of the world or try to get anything from that. He's turned and he's pursuing to embrace God. David said that man, that one, he is like a tree. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. Now, I just kind of want us to, we're going to have some conversation about this, so begin to think about this. This one is like a tree. This one. So there is this, um, there are these figures of speech here. But they're meant to convey literal truth. Okay, remember when Jesus talked, the kingdom of heaven is like, he used a lot of analogies trying to help the people of the day understand about God and the kingdom of God through the things around them. Well, here David 
uses this, and he says, the blessed man, because he walks away from this and he embraces this, this is what, this is what the blessed man is like. Now, it doesn't say he is a tree. He's like a tree. But he's like a tree that is planted. So, when you think about that, I mean, that's, that's intentional. But, but here's another thing about this tree. It's a fruit tree. So, this man, because it bears its fruit in its season, so it's a fruit-bearing tree. So, this man that walks away from the world and embraces God is like a fruit-bearing tree that is planted by the streams of living water. And I got to thinking about that. Uh, a tree, a fruit-bearing tree that is planted is under the care of the one who planted it. Now, now I, I know there's some obvious things here, but I think if we just back up and we just try to just really process that out in our minds, I think, I think we can come up with some things that, that will be helpful to us. Because this tree isn't just like a wild tree. It's not just planted and left to itself. So if there's a lot that goes into raising a fruit tree, right? First of all, there is the place where you're going to plant it. There is a ground that needs to be cultivated before you plant it and even after you plant it. There needs to be this fertilization that takes place. There is what we don't like to hear. There is this pruning in a fruit tree. How many have seen that process go on? There's a pruning process. There's a plucking process. There's seasons. Think about that. A fruit tree has its seasons. It doesn't bear fruit. A, a, a tree that is a fruit tree, it's, it's got its seasons. You know, what could we possibly take in from that? But, you know, so this one that has planted it, and we know the planter is God, there's a lot of attention and care that goes into growing up a, a tree to produce fruit. So it's looked after to make sure it's always healthy. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, my father was father-in-law was a farmer. He didn't plant fruit trees, but he did corn and beans. And then he had livestock. He was, you know, I just thought, you know, it's the farmer, you know, he just works in the summer and he just kicks back the rest of the time, you know, kind of like the preacher. I only work one day a week on Sunday for a couple hours, you know. But her dad was constantly observing the fields all year round, was concerned about everything, the weather, the temperature, when to plant, when to harvest. He, you know, there was a lot that was concerning him and a lot that he, there was just a lot of things he had paid attention to. So now processing this and thinking about what David is trying to say about the person who is going to walk away from everything else and he wants to embrace God because he wants to honor God with his life. Well, what does, where's God in that thing? What's God's heart? What's God's attitude and position toward that individual? So we know that he plants him and he plants him in a, a particular place. He plants him by streams Streams, plural, of water. So, you know, in back in the day and even today, there's ir it, it, there are these fields that are irrigated. So you have the rains that come in the spring, 
and they pile up and they direct these. There, there's channels that they cut in these fields. And there, so there's a channel where there's this irrigation where there's water and then there's a strip of land and then there's a strip of irrigation and then there's a strip of land. And so, you know, the farmer went to great lengths to make sure that he had a place for what whoever he, whatever he determined to grow could grow. Now, we got to connect that to our life because there is a literal truth that David is driving at. And, and this morning, all that we're going to talk about, it, it is an exaggeration of it. We're probably not even going to be able to barely scratch the surface of really what David is trying to say. That's why it's important for us, like the blessed man, he's one that thinks about God's word. He thinks about God's principles. He thinks about God's truths. He thinks about God's promise. Because when you do that, it just, I don't know. There's been so many times, I, I don't know if any of you do this, but a thousand times at a minimum, I've imagined in my mind whether the rapture comes or I die seeing Jesus. And, and, and every time that happens, there are two emotions that go through my life. Joy and fear. How can you have those go together? But a joy in knowing that one day that's where my life is going to be, and yet at the same time there's this fearfulness that I get this right and I live this right. So pondering on God's truth and the, the promises of God's truth helped me live my life in honoring God. It just, it just kind of it, it hymns me in as I keep pursuing God. And it doesn't hem me in that causes restrictions in my life. It hems me in which helps me find freedom and the promise of God and the blessing of God in my life. So David describes this person, and I'll recap a little bit, uh, this person who is not walking in the wrong direction, following the wrong advice from the ungodly. He's not hanging out with those who don't know, trust, or believe God, nor is he participating in what they do. And he doesn't belong to the crowd who openly rejects and dismisses God's truth. But rather, this person, his desire is to receive counsel, advice, and guidance from God and His Word. And he thinks about it over and over. He knows it, reflects on it. He speaks to it often. It's in front of him so that he might walk in the way that God would have, them, have him walk and find the things that God is wanting him to find. This one is the one that is deliberately planted in a good place to grow where it's fertilized, cultivated, watched over, pruned, surrounded by water that it can refine, a supply of water that it needs to grow its fruit in its season. So, verse 3, like, you know, uh, I think Candy goes, uh, I, I can't believe you can talk a whole, I can't believe you can talk that long on one verse. That's, it's kind of hard for me to, or was it Keith that said it? Maybe Keith said it. I can't believe you can talk all that time on just one verse. And last... Uh, Last week, Psalms 1-2, I could go four hours on Psalms 1-2, and I'm not exaggerating. And some of you are going, yeah, we know. Just don't do it, okay? Because there's just, it's rich, and there's so much that is there. And just, just even this 
verse 3, I mean, it's a mouthful. There is, honestly, there is so much is, that is there. So let's, let's kind of, um, Andrew's got the mic up here, so just kind of wait for the mic, but let's kind of look at this. Any thoughts about this? It's almost like, what is David wanting us to know? Uh, you know, let's, let's just maybe more correctly. What is God wanting us to see concerning what he inspired David to write? Because that would be more correct. What is God wanting us to see concerning what he had David write about this? Thoughts? Okay. Um, you're right. There's so much. I, I, you know, the word that sticks out to me is planted by, right? It, it's proximity again. You look at verse 1 and you talk about um, you don't walk here, you don't sit here, you don't stand here. This is, we're constantly refreshed by the streams of living water of the Lord. And that's what allows the tree to go through seasons, pruning, chopping, cutting. Um, so to me, it's verses where, you know, the blessed man is there versus where he's not. Um, and I think it's just a huge distinction because um, that tree doesn't, even though we move along in life, we don't move in proximity to God is what oh, that's it's good. really saying, right? That's a good word. Somebody else? Scott and then Keith. Um, kind of like what Doug was saying, I think we're purposely put there for God's reason. And, you know, that makes us kind of unsure. But eventually we build a trust like in Jeremiah 17 says, you know, we're planted by a stream and not being fear. And that, that, you know, that helps us not be fearful of drought and the times of anxiety. And uh, because we were purposely put there by, by God. And over a period of time, we, we begin to understand that. Okay. Keith? Now this we could speak on for hours for sure. Um, but, you know, one of the things that really came to my mind, there's a lot even at the beginning, but I, I kind of skipped down to where it said, it's fruit and season. And I think as Christians, we need to be encouraged because as Christians, sometimes we go through life. And even though it may not necessarily be a valley, we go through life and we wonder where's God at? Why isn't this moving forward? Why am I stuck in a certain spot? But yet, if you planted a tree, no matter how well you take care of that tree, if it's not the amount of time goes by for that fruit to ripen, and you pick it when it's a bud or you try and pick it too early, it's no good. So you have to be patient and wait for God to bring you through to whatever part that he's leading you through. Okay. Somebody else? Uh, Tony? Uh, when you first mentioned uh, you know, the planted tree, the first thought in my mind is, or was, foundation. Foundation. It, it takes me to Luke 6, 48, with, you know, that foundation that he, David, understood that, that that was the key to life, that was the key to living a life for God, was what is your foundation? A tree is planted in this way, and it has, a, and, and in, in a specific way, it's intentional, and our, our believing the Lord should be also intentional. So the word foundation is a word that I can, I was thinking about, that is key for us to live a life for God. Okay. Somebody else? Ralph? Uh, what comes to mind to me is that uh, the tree is a fruit tree. And if I am a fruit tree, what's the purpose of fruit? Is to the dissemination of seed. And so my purpose mm. is to make my fruit attractive that somebody might want to eat it. 
and thereby uh, obtaining that seed which I have. And it reminds me of Galatians 5, 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Somebody else? Uh, go ahead. Um, Sid. I, I remember one of the things, the word, it says that we already have it. It mentioned that we are planted by God. And one of the books that I, I read, it says, even just the title, we have it. So God was, where it's already given to us. Then we have the season in our life that it goes up and down, but God never Never forget, never changes. It's actually the season will come, but he never forget that he will be actually bearing fruit. The thing is the choice that we make when we are planted, what choice do we do about that being bearing fruit? But it never abandoned us. It's always with us because it says it will prosper. It will bear fruit. Uh, like what it says, it will bear fruit all on, and then prosper in all they do. So I think we all have it. It's just what we, would, what we will do about it. Somebody else? Uh, J.D. I like how um, both the Old and New Testament, God doesn't change it up on us. I mean, when you think about what Jesus says, in, uh, seeking first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and here, to me, that correlates with the delight. You know, I often ask myself each season, what am I delighting myself in? What brings me great delight? And often that blank, it may not be what I think puts the biggest smile on God's face, but he tells us clearly that it's in the law of the Lord. So seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and that this blessing, I mean, it starts out verse one, blessed, blessed is the man we have the whole world has got to be at least interested in, in this idea, this big idea behind blessing in my life. I mean, it means so much in our mind, and not necessarily all accurate, but it means so much in our mind. We all desire the blessing. And if we understand what the blessing and favor of God is in our lives, we, we certainly want that. So it's just very specific. Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, gives us practical advice. And and Jesus sort of illuminates that in the New Testament and says, wide's the path that leads to destruction and many are on it. And narrow's the path that leads to eternal life. So in other words, God doesn't change gears. He, he sticks with it. Seek first my kingdom, my word, delight in me. Come after me with all of you are. Lay it all down and, and my blessing will be upon you. He doesn't change the message. And you get to thinking, what does a tree naturally do when times are dry? What does a tree do? Its roots grow first. It true, it will. It will wither if it doesn't have a source. But the 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 roots will go deep trying to find water. Now let me do so there's a lot in here that, you know but if you if you think about man, you think about mountainous terrain, rock. You see trees on it. You think about more fertile soil. You think about all the types of soil there are. But when it gets dry, the the tree, if there's water just right there, it'll just suck it up right there. In Florida, how many times have you seen a tree blown over? And it, it just, it blew over and it's got a huge root base, but it, it, it never went deep. It just went out. But when 
the when it's dry, the roots try to find water. Now, think about us. So, somebody said somebody said it earlier today. I can't remember who it was. Was talking about you know how that you know times you know it just gets tricky. You know, um, I don't feel like I'm my that. My first love, it's like, that's not there. And, you know, they were communicating with me. And so for us in times, how many of us, you know, we find those times where we think we're not really where we need to be, right? But what, what happens in those times? Well, there's a series of things that happen, but ultimately what happens is you try to f- hook up to the source. All that growing through whatever terrain it is that you're going through, whatever trouble it is, you're trying to find a source, Right? Now, thinking about this, it's interesting because it says that this tree's leaf doesn't wither. In other words, there's, there's, because there's a streams of water, there's, there's sources. And a lot of times we look at our life and we think, okay, my life's just drying up. I mean, I, I'm whatever. And I'm not, I'm not really getting, so I must not be where I need to be. And my life isn't where my life needs to be. Well, let's back up and talk about seasons again. So you have these seasons in the life of a fruit-bearing tree. And what was, you got to know that for, for this to be here, this is something we need to think about. Because when in the spring what happens, the, the, the leaf begins to bud. And it begins to grow leaves. And then what happens over uh, time is that, that fruit begins to, from that bud begins to grow. And it grows through the summer. And in the fall, it's ready to be harvested. But after it's harvested, then what happens? All the leaves fall off. That tree just looks naked. And what happens? What does the farmer do? It, whether it's the fall or the spring, he goes in with his nippers. And he just decides, you know, snip, 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 snip. And all of it is so that the tree has this possibility of producing more fruit, more fuller. Cutting away limbs so that it just don't, doesn't produce leaves. It just doesn't look good. But it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so, again, thinking through all of this, th- think about... Think about that there are the seasons that, that are in, a, in, in the life of a fruit-bearing tree. Thinking about the fact that there are these things that the farmer has to constantly keep tabs of. To think that there are droughts and what, what happens in a drought and what the farmer does ahead of it knowing that that's a possibility. So there's going to be times that are not going to be easy there are going to be all kinds of things that can challenge the farmer in him producing the tree. There's bugs and disease. There's, there's weeds and stuff that can grow up around it to suck the life out of the soil, the moisture. I have been uh, around fruit trees, and I see that they always make sure that the ground around the tree doesn't have anything that's going to impede on the health of the tree or the growth of the tree. So you get to thinking about all that, and we think, God's messing with me. God's messing with you, but it's a good messing with you. Now, you might not think so, but it's a good messing with you. So, here, David is trying to say, you know what, even when you walk away from that and pursue that, it's not going to be just all fun and games. There's, there's these things that are going to take place in your life. There's challenges that you're going to face, but what you need to know as you face the challenges of life 
God has planted you. He is, he is watching over you. He is pruning you. He is challenging you. He is straighten up. He's a father. So I don't know how many of you, if there's anybody in here that went through being raised and never was spanked, you're probably not here. You're probably in prison. Uh, you know, there's going to be corrective things that go along the way. So you think about this. You know, you think about cultivate, you think about prune, and you think about what is David trying to communicate to us. Anybody else have any thoughts? Uh, Larry? What it comes to me is that the tree planted in the soil by the streams is uh, like an analogy of the Christian who abides in God. In other words, the Christian who abides in God's Word and who loves God's Word and who lives God's Word out in his life will be like a tree. Now, that's not, it's not planted in the desert or in a place where it doesn't have what it needs, but that tree has everything it needs to be healthy and to produce and to be a very you know, good tree. And for us as Christians, if we abide in God's Word and we live it out in our life, as Christians, we will be like that tree. We will have everything that we need to be a healthy, productive Christian. That's good. Uh, Keith and then Alec. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches apart from me, you can do nothing. But I was sitting there thinking, it kind of went back to what she was saying, how even healthy trees need pruning. Because if not, like she was saying, you will get those uh, little sap suckers that they just zap the strength. So even as we walk with Christ, there are things in our lives that he wants to take away that isn't fruitful, so to speak. So as Christians, we need to understand that and expect that, that Christ is going to refine us, so to speak, as we grow forward. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily uh, going off the deep end or going the wrong way. It's just God's way of being a perfect pruner, farmer, that he cares for us and he desires for us to be all that he desires for us to be. Yeah, there's some things in our life that we give time and attention to that he doesn't really want because it'll distract us from the things that are beneficial. Alec? So when I hear this, I think of like opportunities. We are a tree and a, a fruit tree in particular. And so when you're a fruit tree next to a stream of water, people come to you and maybe a person will pluck an apple and eat it and then maybe they like it and they come back more. Maybe they go to a different apple tree and they have an apple from somewhere else, and that's the message. But if you don't have any fruit, then maybe they come there and they just go, and they might never come back again. Mm, so it's good very important. Sorry, it's very important to always have fruit ready. Mm, that's good. That's all good stuff. See, there's way more in here than what you think about. And have we ever really pondered on it? to think it through, and I know that there's a lot of you in here that there's a lot still rolling around in your head about this, but it goes on to say that in all he does, he prospers. And I said last week, the idea of prosper, uh, my understanding of the term all along has been that it will go well with him. But then I brought out the fact that really the word means to push forward. So whatever it is in life, you're going to if you're, if you're staying 
if you're putting the world behind you and you're embracing God, wanting to do what He wants, you'll, you'll be able to push your way forward. But I dug into it a little bit more this week because it, there was something that just doesn't, wasn't hitting me right. It felt like there was something that was a little bit more. And the definition goes on to say, it will be, uh, it will, to be good, but it means to meet. So I really thought about that. I thought, Lord, what are you, what are you trying to say here? See, the one that walks away from the world and embraces God, in all that he does, he'll be able to find his way forward, right? But he'll be able to find his way forward because he's met. Think about this. You in your life, what has is, what is God promised? He promised to be with you. He promised not to do for you, but to help you. So, you know, I, I just, it's exciting to know that as we live this life out, we're not alone. And in, in, in the very times of our life, we will be met. We'll be able to push forward and we'll be able to find God in the way we need to find him. And all of this happens because we walk away from one to embrace another. So... I got to thinking that, you know, the, the, we've been going through in our reading plan, we've been going through Psalms, and uh, Psalms 31 and 33 were kind of interesting as I read them. I'm just going to read little snippets of them from, from it, but it just, it, it reinforced. That's why it's important when you're in a reading plan, God helps you see stuff. In Psalms chapter 33, verses 13 through 19, it says, From heaven the Lord looks down and he sees all of humanity. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. And a horse is vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him. On those whose hope is in unfailing love, in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. So David, again, he's saying, look, God sees us. God knows even when it's difficult, we need to know that He's there. He sees us. He, he will be there. He will meet us. And then in Psalms chapter 31, uh, starting verse 19, all the way above that, David, he's, he's in a hard place, and he's going through all kinds of difficulties. And, but he says this, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you in the shelter of your presence. You hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord. He has showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. So he's in this very difficult place. Yet David is seeing God in it. And he says this. He says, I... Uh, let's see. So he was. He says, uh, "I was in a city under siege." He said, "In my alarm, in my alarm, I said, I'm cut off, God, from your sight." So, in a difficult time in his life, David's not seeing God anywhere. 
He says, I'm alarmed. I I don't see you anywhere. It's like I'm cut off from your side. It's from your sight. And then David goes, yet you heard my cry for mercy. You helped me when I called. David was met. He says, love the Lord, all you faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him. But the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you that hope in the Lord. It's that same thought in Romans chapter 8, that we're more than conquerors through struggles or sorrow or persecution or distress. We are more than conquerors because we're met. God is there. He is with us. And I, I get to thinking, you know, so as we go forward, there's this contrast. So David starts out saying, here's the wicked, here's the righteous. Now he does it again. Here's the wicked, here's the righteous. And he says, but the wicked, not so the wicked. So the righteous man, he gets, he gets all this help from God because he's trying to do, and let me, let me just, I need to qualify this again. It's not that you're getting, it's not you're batting a thousand. It's not that you're getting everything right. But somewhere in here, you want what God wants. See, this, this is the telltale. Because some people, they show up and they go to church, but they don't want anything that God wants. But yet there's that people that show up and they they want what God wants. They're just trying to figure it out and they're struggling through life. Let me just tell you, if you're there, the more time you spend in God's word, the more he'll meet you. Because his word will talk to you. Because the spirit of God will encourage you. You'll find comfort, your hope in him. You'll find correctiveness in your life. You're going, I don't know why this is going on. And I don't know how the Lord does to you, but he does to me. Well, hello, McFly. Like, how did you think that was going to go over? That, I mean, did you think you could fly? Just jump off the garage. You're going to face gravity, the law of gravity. You are going to get hurt. So me, when I try to go against God and I fall flat and I get hurt and I think it's God's fault and he's going, Hello, I didn't jump, you did. You knew you shouldn't be there. But in my heart, I want what God wants. And even those are learning experiences for us. And God just doesn't go, okay, I'm done with you. You messed up, I'm done. You did that, that's the third time you've done that. I'm done with you. That's not how God does. He is, what's the Bible talk to us about? He is long-suffering. He knows that, man, some of you get saved and you get saved in your latter years and you think you got it all figured out. Let me just tell you the way that you are. You're standing there with dities, probably a mess in your shorts and you're sucking on a binky. You don't know the things of God and you got to grow up in them and you got to apply them. And in that, you're going to fall down and get up, fall down and get up, fall down and get up. Let me just tell you, don't quit pursuing because as you keep pursuing, you'll keep being met. You will keep pushing forward. You will keep finding your way forward. But here he says this contrast again, not so the wicked. They're going to be just like chaff and the wind blows them away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. In other words, chaff is, they would take wheat and they would take the wheat and they would throw it in a, on a stone or a hard surface and they would take these wooden things and they would smack the wheat. The husk of the wheat would fall off and they would take, and take a shovel or something. They'd throw it up in the air on a windy day and the chaff would just blow away. It didn't have a, it was... It wasn't beneficial. The chaff was separated. The husk was separated from the fruit. The fruit was what was valuable. So he's saying, look, if 
the wicked, they're, they're just like chaff. They're just going to be blown away. They're going to be blown away into a pile and then they're going to be burned. So this contrast in the life, the godly man is a tree that is sturdy, that is rooted, that is firm, that is fruitful. The godly, they're not like that. They're like this husk that's around the grain that gets separated from its fruit. And the way that God knows and God sees and what David's trying to communicate is, look, there are two paths. There's a path where we can find the blessing of God and there's a path where we can wander and we'll wander our own way away from every good thing that God wants out of our life. You know, it says that, it says the way, uh, in, in, in the last verse it says that the, the wicked shall perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked shall perish. Now, it's kind of an interesting term because the idea of perish means to wander away. So the wicked, they just wander away. They lose their self. And by, because of that, because they just wander away from God, because they push God away from Him, they just wander away, and the result of that is that they will fail. They will be undone. So for us to find what God is wanting for us so that we can find the way that God has for us, we've got to be connected to its source. And last week I said its source was the Word of God. Verse 6 out of another translation, just kind of finishing up here. It says this, says the Lord shows His people how to live, but the wicked have lost their way. The verb tense of verse 6 says this, The Lord is knowing the way of the righteous. He is knowing their way. Why is He knowing their way? Because He is attending to them. He is watching over them. He is caring for them. Psalms chapter, Psalms, verse, uh, Psalms 112, verses 1 through 4 say this, it says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the one that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness will endure forever. Verse 4. Unto him there ariseth a light in darkness. And that's so very powerful. This whole idea that David is trying to communicate to us is that there's two pathways, and one is a pathway that'll lead us to where we need to be, where we're going to find the help of God, and the other pathway is that we'll just lose our way. That members, uh, Matthew chapter 7, you know, the wide gate, the narrow way that leads away to destruction, the straight gate, the narrow way that leads away to life. And there is this contrast again. And no matter, let me just encourage you, no matter what you're going through in your life, uh, we, we've all been in places where we're not happy with us. We've all been in places where we are maybe ashamed. We've been in places where, you know, just we don't think we've been doing that good and we haven't been honoring God with our life. We've all been there. Not one of us hasn't. But in the core of who we are, 
Because we're his children, there is this desire for right. So I'm, I'm just encouraging you to keep pushing forward. Because no matter what's going on in your life, there will arise a light. And that light is going to come through God's Word, and God is going to talk to you. He's going to speak to you. You're going to see something. And every time we're down on ourselves, the Spirit of God is not pounding us. When you trip and fall, He is on His knees, and He's talking to you, and He cares for you. And he knows where you are. He knows where you need to be. And so what he's doing is he's picking you up. Listen, if you've got, if you've got people that call themselves Christians around you and all they are doing is condemning you to hell, just walk away from them. Because the good news of the gospel is that there's a rescue in Christ. Hey, the gospel is a two-headed coin. Yes, ultimately you thumb your nose at God all the way through life at the end of your life. That's not a good outcome. But all the way through your life, at any point in your life, you determine that you're going to believe what God has to say about you. You'll see your life shift. That's a promise. Father, I thank you that um, I'm thankful you attend to our life. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be where we need to be. And so many good comments this morning that we need to be this people that people can find nourishment and refreshment from as well. So I'm praying that you would just speak to us this morning in whatever way that is. It should help us see you clearer. So as we're in the Word, let our prayer be, God, help us see what we don't, what we must, what we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing week.